Well, get your Bibles out and let's go to John 13. Don't you love the Bible? I love the Word. I love the Word. I'm glad God asked me to preach it, I'll tell you. You know, when I was a kid, I tried to get into forestry school until I found out you had to do trig. And I decided I wasn't going into forestry school. Then I wanted to be a game warden. Since they wouldn't let me, I became a poacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm about half serious. I, was, uh, I just didn't know what I was, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. Boy, the day I got born again, I knew that I was born to preach the gospel. And I knew that I had a call of God on my life. And uh, I thank God for it. I thank God for the ones of you that come to hear it. I enjoy preaching it. I want to do something tonight. I'm going to preach on I phileo you. I want to talk about love. But I'm not going to talk about romantic love between a man and a woman. We will a little bit. We will a little bit. Um, but I want to talk about love and I want to talk about the church. So go to John 13, 35. And let's begin. Um, pastoring is rewarding. But it is not easy. Did you know that? Ministry is not easy. It's not easy. And the reason it's not easy is you deal with people. And I don't say that in a bad way. I don't say that in people. I don't mean that. People, when you, and this is something that you, you hear it in Bible school, but it really doesn't register on you until you go and start working with people. And one of the things that I want to bring up tonight is that people are at a, at a different place spiritually. Everybody in the church is either a, a baby Christian or a mature or somewhere in between it. And you have to understand that when you begin either pastoring or you go to a church. And I'm going to talk to the fact that because you come to a church, there is an expectation that is not real. It's unrealistic. And because it's unrealistic, you have people float around churches to churches. They're not stable, and it's because they've never really grasped an understanding of what it means to actually be a Christian at all. Now, we have, okay, let me, let me slow up. I'm gonna, let me read this scripture because I want you to get this. John 13, 35, I'm going to read 34. A new commandment I give you. Why would he give us a new commandment? Because the old commandments were nailed to the cross, right? And people say to me all the time, Pastor, I'm not under the law. I'm not asking you to be under the law. That's the reason why Jesus gave us a new commandment. The, the ten are gone. But, but the new one incorporates it because now you're born again. So Jesus makes a statement to you and I, a new commandment I'm going to give you. Not a suggestion. That you love one another as I love you. That's massive. That you love one another. By this all will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm going to tell you that that is probably one of the most difficult things you'll ever do in your life is to walk in love. Okay, it, it can be done, but it's not easy. All right, let's go back, and I'm, not, I'm just going to follow God here for a minute. Do you remember when, when Peter denied Jesus, and he, he said, I'm going back fishing? 
Well, they were in Jerusalem. He walked eight days back. That's when I found in Jerusalem. It's eight days walk back to Galilee up to Cana. And um, so the, he got back up there, got in his boat. Jesus met him. And he, and he says, hey, it's the master. And he's cooking fish. And he says, do you love me, Peter? And he used the word agape. Would you love me with a God kind of love? And Peter replied, you know I love you. You use the word phileo. You know I phileo. That's the word brotherly love. And at that point, I think Peter had a real revelation that he wasn't ready to love with the same love that Jesus did. And I think it's fair for you and I, when we walk into a church, to realize not everybody that's in here is walking in agape love. You can't, you and I cannot put this on everyone. So, so are, are, did, did Jesus use Peter? Yes. So we ask him again. We know the story. Um, do you agape me? He says, you know I phileo you. And the third time Jesus says, do you phileo me? And, and Peter got a little aggravated with him. He says, you know everything. In other words, sir, I told you I'd die for you. I didn't. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I'm ready to die for you right this minute. And, and, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then he said, a day is coming when you'll love me like that. And I think, he's, I think that story tells us that something about a Christian, and, I'm, and that's where we're going tonight. Christianity is a growth. You are not, you are not where you were a year ago, and you're not where you're going to be next year. If you so choose, but you have to make a choice that I'm going to be a person who loves like Jesus. So Jesus said, they will know you by your love. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Most of the people who call themselves Christians, you can't tell they're Christians. Do you look and say, ah, the church is full of hypocrites? Well, it's not. It's full of baby Christians, carnal Christians, growing Christians, and mature Christians. We got everything in the gambit in here, and we got everything in the gambit in Doug's church and in um, ECBC. And I don't, I, don't, I don't care where you go to church. You're going to walk into a building with sheep who litter the barn. They mess up the barn. And so we can't go around with this, with this idea that somehow or another, if people that are in the church don't act like what we think they should act like, that we, well, I went there and you're not going to believe it. I would. It's a mess. That's why we're here. And so you have to understand you're growing, I'm growing, we're all growing, and we have this unrealistic expectation, and it really throws people. Because we've not taught people that actually there are carnal people in this building. And we've not taught them what to do about the carnal people that are in the building. And we've not taught them what to do since you're one of the carnal people that's in the building. Now, I'm going to tell on myself right now because I can't tell on you. 
When I graduated from Rama, I thought I was pretty hot. I really did. Do you know why? A new Bible. Then I learned something. You can know Bible and not be mature. Knowledge, in, in, in the charismatic faith and word camp, we equate knowledge with spirituality. It is not. Boy, was I in for an awakening. And you've heard me joke. I quit every Monday. Why is that? Because my, my expectation was unrealistic. And in order for me to do my job, I was going to have to change. What changed? I did. Did y'all change? Yes. But I changed. I had to change and because I went from being a selfish, carnal pastor to a more spiritual pastor. I didn't say I was arrived. Are y'all out there? And, and, and what aggravated me was people. What was that a sign of? It was a sign of something was wrong with me. Am I right? Okay. So, so after, first you come to church, you're, you're blown away and you're like, I quit. Then you can't quit. So what kept me here? The love of God in my heart. Putting my flesh under. Did I want to stay here? Oh, no. I'm doing good. Today in our society, and listen to me, and I'm, and I'm not preaching right now. We're, we're not doing this all night, but let's stay on this for just a minute. I'm not preaching to the people that left. I'm not insecure. I'm not here upset that people left this church. People leave all the time. They come all the time. As long as I'm pastoring, people will come and go. That's, that's life. Now, for all of you super spiritual people, it happens in everybody's ministry, even Jesus. How many angels did God lose in heaven? One third of them. Because he is such a sorry, good for nothing leader. No, he wasn't. So the Lord said to me one day, I really got bummed when I had a big exodus in our church and um, uh, uh, we had a church move in next door and, and we went from 200 to 80 in a Sunday. And I was bummed. I said, God, that's unfair. I've been working my backside off to get this church growing. And one preacher walks into town and pfft, I'm, we're down to nothing. Because he's big dog. And um, supposedly. Well, he's not even in ministry now. I don't know where he is now. But anyway, wherever he is, hallelujah, bless him, Jesus. I went to God and I said, I give him to you. So I was crying to God. I was whining. No, uh, no cheese, just wine. Um, and just whining. And I said, I said, God, that's unfair. I don't have a music ministry like that. I don't have all that stuff. So he asked me, he says, well, let me ask you this. What did I do wrong in heaven? I said, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, I lost a third of my congregation. I said, yes, you did. That's bad. According to John Maxwell, that's a bad leader. <laughs> I love John Maxwell. I, listen, I, I got him in my phone. I listen. I do his stuff every day. But it, it is true that if you're taking a walk and no one's following you, <laughs> you're not a leader. Okay. That is true. But, but, and then he said to me, he says, well, when I started, when I, in the Garden of Eden, when I made the garden, and, and um, 
I put man there and, and, and this whole garden. He said, I lost everybody. I said, yes, you did. He said, what did I do wrong? I said, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, I have one more for you. He said, do you remember the day that I, uh, I came to my church and 500 people met me? 500 people. And I floated away. That's a Holy Ghost move. I mean, do you think that's impressive to watch Jesus float off? Is that like a sign and a wonder that lets you know he's the dog, he's a big dog? He said only 120 listened to me. He said, you're not going to beat my record. So I learned right then not to have this expectation that, that if, and, and the other thing was, is that when every time something goes wrong, that I'm somehow or another responsible for what everybody does. And I'm trying to get y'all, I want to get y'all to the place tonight to realize that as long as you're in a church, people will come and go. Is it right? Most of the time, no. But, it, but they do it. And I want to show you why they do it. Not that we can go, but I want to say it because I'm going to help you with your walk with God so that you're not yielding to the temptation to cut and run when you see a problem. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you like the scripture, I will never leave you or forsake you? Why? Because unconditional love isn't based on you. Then why do church members cut and run when something doesn't go right? Because they are not mature. Don't shout me down. Now, I didn't say that for the people who left. I said that for y'all. If you're ever going to grow up, grow up in Jesus, you're going to be a mature believer. Your flesh is not always going to get its way. Do you understand that? Why does God put you in a big church full of crazy people? When I say crazy, I'm not saying that to, to be crude and rude to y'all. I'm, I'm saying that in a kind, loving, we, 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 we just do stuff. We have different personalities and, and we talk different and we have different likes and we are, we're just different people. Why does he do that? Where are you going to work on your love walk? Right here, baby. So when you cut and run, the problem's in your mirror. Now, sometimes there's a time to leave. You have to give, I, I left Buddy Harrison's church and moved to Orlando because God said so. There's just, there are times people leave. We've had people come to us, Lisa and I. I left my last church wrong. I said, go home. Leave. Go back. Go back and do it right. So um, don't, don't, don't be judgmental. Don't worry about everybody else. I'm talking just to you. So we're, this is a Valentine message. I know it sounds funny. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like a Valentine message to me, Pastor Delmore. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know. So far, you have raked us over the coals, beat us up, called us stupid and crazy, and now you called it a love message, and I feel terrible. No, go to First Thessalonians 5.23. <laughs> no, I, no, really, if, you, if I want to help us. I want to help us. Now, I'm married to probably the prettiest girl in Central Florida. 
probably the state of Florida. And that really causes me problems because I have to let all of the good-looking guys come around and let them know I carry a gun. Okay. Now, I love my wife. I love my wife to pieces. She's precious. She can be. But, you're, but don't, don't think that when you have a mama that makes flat cornbread, and my mama made fat cornbread, that everything in our life we've always gotten along. We ha- everything had gone smoothly since we got married. What's the, wh- why, haven't, why haven't I left her? Because I love her. The love, the love is the, it's the glue. God knew you and I were going to live in a tough world. So he, what he, the commandment to love was designed to be the glue. Husbands, love your wives. Not, not a feeling, not emotions. Now, what if she stops cooking? What if she gets fat? What if her hair falls out? Do, at what point do I have the right to leave? Then why do y'all do that in a church when a church is a family? I'm, I want to, listen, I want you to get this across. All of the time, when I come in here and say, you, I, I mean, it, it's just been rough being married to her. In some instances, because we're different, all of us go through stuff. But the love is the glue that binds Lisa and I. It's the love of God in me. It's the love of God in her. And it binds us. It glues us. And that's what makes the marriage the marriage. It's what makes you a Christian. If you're unfaithful, you're a baby. You're a carnal Christian. I don't care how much Bible you know, you're carnal. I don't care if, if, if I could preach and preach better than, than, than Kenneth Copeland and Jesse, if my love walk is not where it needs to be, I'm still a carnal pastor. And that was the thing that I had to deal with when I first started pastoring. I started looking at the people and I realized after a while, it's not their fault that I don't like them. Well, I loved them, but, but you know, it seems like every time you would get the church to someplace, somebody does something stupid. And you go and want to straighten them out. Well, after a while, you put your faith in God and you realize there will always be crazy people in your church. They're just there. They come and go. And that has, you know, after a while, you just love them when they're good. You love them when they're bad. And you just love them, period. Why? Because my love for them is based on his love for me, not what they're doing or not doing. Should it be that way in marriage? Should it be that way among each other? Yes, it should be. So what happens when someone says, well, I just can't stand it anymore there. Just look and say, well, you should leave, you big baby. No, don't say that. That's, that's, that's pride. No, but I'm saying that because I want y'all that are in here, I want you to know what it's going to take for you to grow. If you're not obeying, you're not growing. If your flesh is ruling you, 
I don't care what you know, you are not maturing. So most of the Christians I know were babies 10 years ago, and some of them are babies now. They chose not to put their flesh under. So let's, let's go there. Are you all ready? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Pop it on the screen. Let me show you this. If you'll let me, I'm going to teach you how to mature, how to grow. It's, it, it's, it's, it's great to mature. You know, I, don't, I was in a store one day, and, I, and this is something I, don't, I just don't like it. And I want to say something. This, this mama's walking along. This kitty's about that big. And he's going, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. And she, and she, listen, woman, if you pick that baby up, he's going to dislocate your hip. A kid weighs 50 pounds. Then to make matters worse, he's grabbing at her shirt, wanting to eat. And he's got teeth. And I'm going, you pick him up. I'm going to say something to you. Why? 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 Because he's a baby. He's, you've got to wean him off a mama and off a bottle and he's got to grow up but nobody but he don't want to grow up you have to make him grow up you hey Leroy walk or I'm gonna tan your hide I ain't carrying you all right imagine my job coming in the church uh sit down and be quiet And you've dealt with it too. How many of y'all have dealt with family members, in-laws, outlaws? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They're, they just want to be a baby, and they just want to be a baby and be a baby. And so then the preacher come by, he didn't say hi to me, so he running when I came in. He didn't even, he just walked by and didn't even notice me. <laughs> oh, shut up. You ought to be helping people by now, and you're the biggest baby in church. That's a good Happy Valentine's, y'all. I don't know how I got off on all that. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, help me out a little bit. Is this strange to y'all? But you need to know that it goes on in churches. And you can't be blown away by it. You've got to walk in and go, this is a good church. It's full of babies. Because <laughs> if it wasn't a good church, it wouldn't have anybody in it. And if it has anybody in it, it's going to have some goofy people in it. It has to have goofy people in it. Someone said, when before Jesus comes back, the body of Christ will be mature. That means nobody's going to get saved for the last 10 years. If someone gets saved and, and the rapture takes place in five minutes, they're not mature. <laughs> the guy on the cross did not grow in the Lord. <laughs> he made it by the skin of his teeth. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.23. May the God of, of, of peace sanctify you. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit's perfect. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you something. I am a strong, 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 strong in him realities preacher. You must be rooted and grounded in who you are in Christ. But don't, but don't stop there. Your, your body and your soul must grow too. You've got to do something with the other two-thirds of you. Now, now I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you, and I want you to, I want you to pay attention to me. Go, go to Romans 8, 6. I want you to look at these scriptures. Please go look at them. Romans 8, 6. Ha, 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 ho, 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 Hosanna. Ha, 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 on the devil. All right, I'm trying to make it happy because I know that I'm kind of going, nah, nah, nah. All right, Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What do you want? 
Do you? Okay, that means you need to grow. You're not going to stay a baby and have life and peace. So even though you're born again, new creation in Christ, baby, the righteousness of God, hallelujah, God is in me, wow, but you're a baby. So somewhere along the line, you have to ask yourself, what's wrong with my life? It's terrible because you're a baby. So, so the, the, flesh is, the flesh has the mind or the spirit has the mind. In everybody, you're either more flesh-minded or you're more spirit-minded. But you're not both. You've got to make the shift, and it's a process. You don't get there in a week, and you don't get there in a year. As a matter of fact, it's, a, it's quite the lengthy process to grow from carnally-minded person to a spiritually-minded person. Do you understand that? So the biggest war that you're ever going to be in is going to be inside of you. Because am I the only one that ever had a war going on inside of me? Like part of me is going, oh, if you do this in part, of, oh, follow God. I don't want to follow God. Ah, yes, you want to follow God. But I don't want to follow God. <laughs> Zach, how am I doing? Is it just for me and you or is there anybody else in this building? Okay, Jack, Zach, okay, there's a few people in the building. Are y'all getting this? And this is one of the areas that's not preached. And because, and let's go back to a word, desire the sincere milk that you may grow. There's churches, there's no milk. There's nothing, there's nothing being preached. There's not, there's nothing. Milk is the faith message. Milk is who you are in Christ. I mean, if you're enamored by who you are in Christ 20 years later, you're still on milk. You're still on milk. It is hard to take the bottle from people. It is hard to get them off the bottle. The bing bingy. I told Lisa one day, I says, I want to do a skit. I want to get a huge baby carriage. And I want to get me a gown and a bonnet and a bingy. And I want to get in the baby carriage and I want you to push me in. And I'm going to lay there and go, wah, wah, wah. And Lisa goes, you're not going to do that. You'll offend everybody in the building. <laughs> and not everybody. Come on. But, but we all know, Lord, don't we know. How many of y'all know you got, you got relatives and they're not in here? They don't go to this church. We know that. Nobody in this church. But they're Christians. And if they didn't tell you, you would not know it. There's an evidence they're saved. It's only because they told you. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> I'm trying to make this fun. It's, it's a tough sermon. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Brethren, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal. Y'all are a bunch of big babies. <laughs> That's a tough statement to write to a bunch of people at church. And I fed you with milk and not even solid food, for you weren't able to receive it. Even now you're not able, for you're still carnal. 
There is envy, strife, and division among you. Are you not carnal? You act like a mere man. The word mere man means a no, just like everybody else in the world. You act like a sinner. He's looking at a church going, y'all act like a bunch of heathen. <laughs> okay. Brother Hagin, when the Lord showed him this, back in the early Pentecostal days, they preached a lot on backsliders. Are you a backslider? Come to the altar. Every Sunday, the whole church got up and went to the altar and wept their way back to God. Oh, I'm a backslider. I'm a backslider. No, you're not. You're a baby. You just need some milk. You just need to grow up. You're not a, you're not a backslider. You know, when I first got saved, I still did stuff wrong. And I mean, the devil said, you, if you were saved, you wouldn't have done that. He tried to talk me right out of my own salvation the day after I got born again because I had a bad thought. And, and, we're, and, 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 some, and, and even people in this room right now, you have a tough time with your humanity. God knows you have a flesh, but he also wants you to do something with it. Amen. It's not a sin. Now, what's the difference in a carnal Christian and a baby Christian? A baby Christian is someone who just got saved. A carnal Christian is a, is a baby Christian who has chosen not to grow up. And I say this with love. The church is full of them. All right. So can I defend myself a moment? Don't blame me for everybody that walks out that door. I told you I was imperfect to the day you brought your sorry backside in here. I said that jokingly because I, 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 I know I'm, I'm human. I know that. And I pray every day, God help me not to say something stupid. <laughs> and I really do. I really do. And every once in a while I go, that escaped. <laughs> and I will tell you, I'm better now than I was a year ago. And if you don't think I'm good now, you should have seen me 10 years ago. <laughs> Woo! But God believed in me, and he believes in you. And I believe in me. I believe in the gift of God that's in me. I believe in the God that lives in me. But, but, I'm, but I'm, aware of my, I'm aware of yours. So what, what makes a church a great church? It's when a person says to another person. See, it says that those that are spiritual among you restore those who have fallen. A spiritual person will go to a person with a problem and say, can I help you? A baby will walk out. We walk away from jobs. We walk away from marriages. I mean, we're the most runaway, walk away, I'm leaving people on the planet. And we call ourselves Christians and all we are is a bunch of babies. Thank you. So let me help you with something. When you leave, you're headed to another stinking church. Are y'all out there? I mean, I'm just, at, when, uh, let's, instead of talking about church, because you think I'm being defensive of myself. When you divorce your wife and you married someone else's problem, what do you think you just got? I'm going to tell you a little secret. As bad as the other one was, this one's worse. <laughs> 
Am I telling you the truth? And so I'm saying this. Why don't you work on your marriage? I told, the, I told Lisa this one day. We're driving down the road with Mary Fran. And I told Mary Fran, I said, I'm, I got to keep Lisa. It's taken me so long to train her. And Mary Fran said, we will stop and put you out of this truck. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, in a marriage, both husband and wife are working to make adjustments to each other. That's life. That's, I don't care who you are. Lisa's adjusted. I've adjusted. We adjust. And, and when you walk into church, you're going to make adjustments. When you make a friend, there's, the Bible says a friend sticks closer than a brother. What's the opposite of a friend? Someone who's, who, every time there's a problem, they're gone. Am I doing good? I'm trying to help you because you, you need to make sure you hear from God before you decide, it. well, I can't stay here anymore. Can I tell you a real secret? That's called pride. Thank you. It really is. And that's what I was dealing with when I first started pastoring. A lot of pride. I was looking for a perfect church. God told me, he says, well, I wouldn't need you there. My first youth group had homosexuals in it, drug addicts, loose teenagers, foul-mouthed teenagers, drinking teenagers, smoking teenagers, and girls who primped all the time. I didn't have a good kid in the whole pile, except Melanie Hayward. She was the only good kid in there. No, no, in, in, in my, I'm, I'm telling you, it was a mess. And I went to God one day and I said, this is hard. Feel my pain. No. I'm, and he said, that's why I sent you here. And he complimented me. He said, I sent you here because I believe you can do, fix this. And he complimented me. He said, son, I, I know there's a problem. But that's why I sent you to Bible school and sent you here. I really thought that I was going to graduate from Bible school. Everybody's going to come in with their Bible and get excited. No. They didn't. My first day with the youth, in the middle of my sermon, they all picked up acorns and started stoning me with them. Do you remember that when they, and I walked up and grabbed a kid's chair and flipped him out of it and threw him on the ground. Told him if he threw another acorn, I'd beat him up right there. I was so mature. I just so John Wayne Christian. I'm preacher with a gun, with a bill. I mean, I'm just was just a mess. And and so and and, 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 it, and let me tell you something. At the end of a year or two with those kids, every one of them were speaking in tongues and full of God and witnessing. And I was so excited. I I was I finally whipped them into shape. And the Lord said, uh, you're done. I'm done here. I have another place for you. And I thought it would be better. <laughs> it was not. When I took this church, it was 40 people. The pastor before me ran off. He was in prison, stole the money. I mean, it, this church was a royal mess. And he said, this is your new church. I went, oh, oh, oh no. I want to go back to Ramah. 
where everyone loves Jesus. <laughs> Are y'all out there? So it's a compliment when God puts you someplace tough. Isn't it? Number one, they need you. Number two, you need them. You're not going to grow if there's, see, if you, if you spend all your life in space, you, you, when you get here, you won't be able to walk because you don't use your muscles. You have to use your muscles. You've got to use your faith muscles. You've got to use your love muscles. You've got to use them. Okay. Are y'all okay? Okay. 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 Whoa. Go to Hebrews chapter five. Am I doing okay? This is not an easy subject because this is a little corrective, isn't it? Okay. But, but yet, this is so needed. Um, I said Hebrews chapter 5. And I think that we've done people a misservice. Not explaining to them when you join a church what it is that's expected out of you. We expect you to submit to God and grow. Why are you here? You're here to grow. That means we're going to tolerate you. But you're going to tolerate some other people. And you might even tolerate me just a little bit. Lisa does. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> Come on, this is fun, isn't it? She is awesome. Hebrews 5.12. That's because I made her that way. <laughs> See, we have so much rebellion going on right here. It's just, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I think that's where the people got the doctrine that God, God he, no, he doesn't make you sick, but he will leave you in a tough place. Yeah, he will. Um, when I worked for that crew that was all black, I, I tried every way to get another job. I really did. It was, they were very, very rough on me, and I didn't like it. But it was part of my training. At the end of, what, three years, most of them were born again. And, and, and we were family. And it didn't happen because I ran away. All right. Hebrews 5:12. For by this time you ought to be teachers. Now that's not standing in a pulpit. That's being able to teach the teach other people the Bible. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a baby. You're never going to mature on the faith message. It's milk. He said, you'll grow, you'll grow. You don't mature on, on the gifts of the Spirit. You don't, you don't mature on in him realities. You don't, you don't grow up because you hear those preached. You grow up because you hear love preached. And that's the... That's the divide. You've got to come over on this side of Ephesians and start talking about put your flesh under, renew your mind. And, and even though the Bible, we talk about a lot of renewing our mind with the word of God, there is still a scripture that says you are to crucify your flesh. 
Why is that? And this is not preached much because there's times I need to say to my flesh, no. You're, we're going to, I'm going to obey God here. I'm not, no, I'm not doing, I'm not saying that. I'm not doing that. You're, Daryl, you're going to behave. And I've had to work. I, listen, when I started working with pastors in the city, I had a lot of conversations with myself before I walked into a meeting. And I have become nicer than I've ever been in my life and gracious with people that 10 years ago I was not. But I, but I had to quit being a jerk. I'm right. So what? <laughs> what an attitude. And I had one. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm smart. I mean, I know the Bible better than most preachers. But the Bible says if I have all knowledge and don't have love, what am I? Not a. That is a hard scripture for a Ramagrad. <laughs> it is. It's hard to soak up that if you're married, if you're fighting with your wife, God don't really give a royal flying rip how much Bible you know. You can learn to get along with your wife, you knucklehead. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm doing good. Am I doing good? Y'all see, what we, um, there's more to, there's milk. Thank God for milk. But there is a meat, there's meat in this book. Okay. All right. Everyone who only uses milk is unskilled. That means you're not doing the Bible. You're just listening to it going, isn't that wonderful? He's a, he's, for he's a baby. Solid food belongs to those who are full age. They have by reason of use, have their senses discerned to discern good and evil. So how do you mature? It's by acting on the scriptures even though your flesh doesn't want to do it. That's how you grow up. There is, an, there is no other way to grow up. And nobody wants to put their flesh under so nobody grows up. It's just easier to quit. I quit. Come on, I'm preaching real good. All right. Go to Romans chapter 12, 1. How am I doing for time? Oh, wonderful. This has been an earmark for me, but when I first heard it, I'm going to tell you something. I love the scripture, but it has not been easy to live. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. All of those amens. Sit down, please. <laughs> please stop shouting and running. Okay. <laughs> you can tell I'm having a good time. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your what? Bodies. Your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Living sacrifices keep crawling off the altar. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you prove it. So is there more to Christianity than learning who you are in Christ and getting your mind renewed? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And for so long in my life, I worked on who I was, who I was, who I was, who I was. And I wasn't, I wasn't growing. And I really wanted it to be only that. <laughs> um, I don't want to be patient. <laughs> I don't always want to be kind. I don't always want to bless my enemy out. 
maybe. I don't want to go do something nice for someone who just ripped me off. Have y'all, you know, I'm telling you, well, you know, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth was real good for me. I liked it. You slap me, I'm slap you back. And you're going to wish you never slapped me, Jack, you know. So I hate apologizing to Lisa when she's right. I don't like it. It's so humiliating. Honey, you were. Right. (laughs) Am I the only one in the room? Come on, y'all. It is so hard when you've been in a disagreement and you start going, oh, God, I'm wrong. That is so tough. This is Valentine's sermon. It's more of a Valentine's sermon than you know it is. Okay. Go to Matthew 16. He said, kill your flesh. That means slay it. Slay it. Now, I'm fixing to get down a little bit in the, this is going to get, we're going to go places we hadn't been along. We've never been. I think we've never been there where I'm going right now. This is, this is good. How many of y'all ever read, read Rick Renner's? His February 13th today was phenomenal. I almost brought it and read it to you, and I thought, ah, I don't need me to read Rick Renner to him. But he talked about Jesus going to the cross. And uh, we're going to get into this a little bit. 16, 16. Um, yeah. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock... Uh, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. And he commanded his disciples they would tell no one. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Can I ask you all a question? Did he want to do that? No, he did not. Let's get real here for a minute. In the garden... He's praying, if there's another way. I hope I have time in a minute to to tell you the story of me. Uh, I'm going to do it in a minute because I think you need to hear it. When when you're walking with God, I'm going to say something to y'all and you better hear me. He's going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. Maybe you've never heard that. And people are afraid because the reason they're afraid is because they don't know he's a good, good God. Jesus trusted his father. But for Peter to say, you're not doing that, because Jesus was struggling with it. To have someone go, you don't have to do that. In other words, you don't have to obey God. There's another way. And that's why Jesus rebuked him. Because sometimes Satan will offer you, and this is what I think happened in the garden. Everybody has an opinion about the garden. Everybody's got an opinion about the garden. This is what I think happened in the garden, even though other people, you know. Adam and Eve 
Satan comes down and says, I'm not under God. You're his boy. You're under him. Now, I think there's more to the story than just that. I think there's, you know, the Jews say that every scripture is 70 layers deep. So there's more to this than that. But I think, I think one of the primary things was is that everybody in the world doesn't want to be told what to do. When kids are growing up, one of the biggest issues from the time they're two till they're 18 is I ain't, you ain't telling me what to do. And if you're a good parent, we're going in the bedroom because I am fixing to tell you what to do. When you go in the military, boot camp is for one reason. When we give you an order, you do what I told you to do. And so the lordship of Jesus is that he's asked you to follow him. Not you, you're not leading. Now, I would have never picked Florida. I came here, I smelt that ocean, and I went back to Georgia. And when God called me here, I went, only for a little while. And I'm going to be honest with you, I have struggled at times with his direction for me. Now, I love it now. Because I realize he's a good, good father. He loves me and he knows me better. So now I look back and go, I love you. Thank you for leading me the way you did. But I had problems up front. When Jesus was going to the garden, he had a hard time with the will of God. We're so accustomed to saying, you know, when we talk about sickness and disease, that, you know, that is his will for you to be healed. It is your, his will for you to be healed. There are times... When he is telling you his will, and it's not fun. And if you're going to be a Christian, and you're going to grow up, there's times you're going to love people that are ugly. They're not nice. They gossip. They lie. And God's going to tell you to go bake a cake for them. You're going to go, I am not baking a cake for that. Sorry, good for nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are too. Are we talking about love? They'll know us by our what? Not your knowledge. Yeah. Well, this is good. I'm doing good. So the reason, let me finish reading this because I didn't read it. And Peter turned to him aside and rebuked him. Far be it from you, Lord. It's not going to happen to you. And he turned aside and he said, you get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. He's telling him, you don't have to obey God. That's not the way you're going to be king. You just go into Jerusalem and take it over. And he rebuked him because God was leading him another way. And there's times if you're going to obey God, you're going to get tough about it. Now, real fast, when I got born again, I mean, folks, my family, I love them. But when when I was starving to death, they didn't come over and help me. And then when I got born again and said I'm moving to Tulsa, they all warned me. Oh, you go to Tulsa, you'll die. I was dying here. How many of my real good, wonderful friends warned me? My pastor in Athens warned me about the Rhema cult. But God had already told me I was going. 
And so I had to buck family and church to obey God. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? So I get out to Tulsa and I'm out there. I'm making good money. And when it comes time to come here, everybody warned me. You could starve. I didn't starve here. Are y'all out there? Now, I'm going to get to the big one. I'm going to get to the big one now because I think it's time for me to get into this with you. And, and I really wanted to be an evangelist because I like blowing in and blowing up and blowing out. And I like flying airplanes and I like crowds and I like people getting healed. I, li- I like that. And, and, and after I got born again and, and, and I worked with Tom for a while and Lisa and I got married and and, and I, I went through a period where I, God would not talk to me about what he wanted me to do. And, and I was antsy. I was just, you can ask Lisa, I was, I was a miserable man inside. And I kept going to God every day. I'd come home and go in J- J- Josh's bedroom and just sit down like an Indian and pray in the Holy Ghost an hour every day. God, I went to Rama. God, I, I did all this and, you know, I went through a divorce and, 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 I, and I thought God was done with me and the devil's going, well, you screwed up. That's why you're not ever going to use you. And I'm just a miserable man. And so one day I'm driving in my truck and I'm headed to work and the Lord said to me, he said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? Now, Jesus had this moment. And I'm going to say something to y'all. You're going to have this moment yourself. Or you will never grow up. Now, that may be hard for you to hear. I'm driving my little Toyota, and I'm heading down Overland Drive. And I said, sir, what do you want me to do? I'm in asking you that. He said, I'm not telling you until you tell me you'll do it. And I said, no. Well, to just get honest. I said, no, you tell me what you want me to do. He said, I'm not going to tell you what I want you to do. You're going to tell me you'll do it. Whatever I ask you to do. And I'm going to tell you something. I broke over my steering wheel. I wept my guts out. I said, God, I am afraid. I lost a family obeying you. Do you understand me? I lost a wife. I lost my daughters. I obeyed you. And I now have nothing to show for obeying you. We have an argument. And he said, I want you to trust me. I know you have a family. And I know you love your family. Trust me. And I bowed over that steering wheel and I said, sir, I'll go wherever you say go and I'll do whatever you say do. That's love. Why have I stayed here 30 years? Because of him, not because of you. When you love God, you'll stop running. You stay in those hard places. Stay where he told you to stay. Running off, looking for the will of God. You might be in the middle of it. If you're not, go find it. 
That day, the, the, the peace of God flooded my soul. I went home that day the happiest man in the earth. Nothing changed but my heart. I conquered a fear. Now, what about if he called me to travel and leave her? I, I was going to do it. One of the things that I see the wisdom of God is that Lisa had a call and I had a call. At the time, I didn't see that she had a call. I knew she was called to lead worship, but not, not to preach the gospel like she does. Now I know why he called us to, he asked, he, he asked me to marry her and we've, it's been, it's been a good. When I first started pastoring, the reason that I bucked it was because it's scary. It's not easy. Pastoring is like washing cats. I've got all of y'all's flesh to deal with. We have good people in here. We have people that are, that are growing. We have people that are problems. They're unfaithful. They don't do anything. They don't obey God. And what do you do? And it's, but, but, but traveling would be hard. I'd have to put up with pastors who lie, people canceling on me. You know, there's no, there is no, there's no perfect world, guys. It just don't exist. You're going to trust God and you're going to grow up no matter what he asks you to do. And at that time, I had a fantasy. I got it from Copeland. I got, I had this, Kenneth Copeland painted this big fantasy. And I found out later, it's just not true. I've been places and preached and went, I'm glad I don't ever call me back over here to preach for you again. Hallelujah. Anyway, so I, I love being in the will of God. And now that's my MO yeah. is to please God and to stand before him and hear, well, good, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Is it easy? No, no, it's not easy, guys. Jesus went to a cross. Then he makes a statement to the church. We don't preach on this. You pick up your cross. You know what that is? That's his will. Not yours. Because carnal and selfish is the same thing. The reason you're carnal is you're self-ruled. The reason you're mature is you're no longer self-ruled. So what did he tell Peter that day? There will come a day. They'll take you where you don't want to go. And they nailed him upside down on the cross. I don't think Americans are ready for that. I've got one more story. I've got a few minutes. After I told the Lord that, that doesn't mean that I've always wanted to do everything he said. I, I, I have not. There's a part of pastoring that's fun. I love meeting you. I love, I love friends. I'll tell you what's hard is when friends walk. A friend sticks closer than a brother. Friends, friends don't walk. All right, but you know, Lisa and I fall in love with people and bang, they're gone. You know, that, that's, that's the hardest part of being a pastor's wife. But, but there is, we do cherish people, we love people, we believe in people, but our faith is in God, not you. We had to learn. They may not, you know, okay. But there's people come and go, and no, we don't get offended anymore. We, don't, we, we just get over it and go, God bless them wherever they go, whatever they do, because we know God is a big God. He'll take care of them. That's his kids. And they're not mine. I didn't die for them. So um, having said that. But years ago when the Lord came to me and he said, I want you to go to India. And I went, oh, no. I like 
mission trips that have beaches and stuff. <laughs> I would love to preach in Hawaii and Alaska and... So and there's been places that I, we've enjoyed going. But India, nothing, nothing. Not, not the snakes, not the curry, not the food, not, not, nothing about India appeals to me. And at that time, um, I, I really love being with my wife. I love being with my wife. And, and I hate being gone more than a week. I just don't like being gone from her. Or, or the kids either. I don't like it. And the Lord, uh, and I said, I don't want to do that. He says, well, I want you to. And finally, he nailed me. He says, why don't you want to do it? I said, well, I don't, want to, I don't want to believe Lisa. He said, do you love her more than you love me? I said, no, sir. He said, son, I need you to go. I said, I'll go. Now, I, I, wished, I wished I could tell you that every trip I've ever taken has been fun. It's not. It's, it's tough to sit on an airplane 24 hours and go preach. It's, it's, it's not easy to do it. It's tough waking up every Sunday morning with a new sermon. It, it, it is hard. It is very difficult on your soul to walk in here and half the band decided they don't want to come to church today. That's very, very difficult to do. And you want to walk up and go, I want to slap every one of y'all. And you don't. You just believe God. And So there's, do y'all understand this? So, you know, somebody said, I want to be the senior pastor. I want to be an associate. I want to work for somebody else and let them do all of this. But I'm going to tell you something. Love for God and love for people. Because I've actually, I've actually become more of a pastor. I know some of y'all are thinking you hadn't arrived. I know. I, I read Facebook. I'm going to make a statement to y'all. This idiot's done more than anybody in this church times 10. So even though I'm a screwed up human, I'm still stripping you. <laughs> Do you see that? I mean, I'm, it's, hard, it's easy to beat the quarterback up on the field when you're sitting home on your TV. It's just easy to do it. Just, you sorry dog, you missed that ball. Well, go get on the field yourself. <laughs> okay. And that's not just true with me. That's true with everybody. I've, I've, I've come to learn that everybody's at a different place. God loves people. He loves Baptists. He loves Methodists. He loves Episcopalians. He loves Catholics. He loves sinners. And he's looking for us to do the same. They will know us by our What? By our love. And that means that, that means that you're going to get involved with them, period. One of the things we need to come back to in, a, in a Christianity is teaching people what Christianity is. It's you being like Jesus. That means you are going to get involved with people and help them grow. It's not about a pulpit. It's not about a title. It's about getting a, a loincloth on and becoming a servant. That's what Jesus says it is. That's what I do. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'll be here next week. I'll be here the week after. I'll be here next year, and I'll be here the year after. 
You know why? Because I love you. Do y'all see that? Wouldn't it be nice if every Christian lived their life like that? That would be walking in love. Now, if God said move, then I'm. Do y'all see that? That's pretty strong, isn't it? Does this help y'all? Now, this is not a Valentine message, but in, I guess in a way it is. Because a lot of times people are wanting marriage counseling. And I'm going to tell you what marriage counseling is. It's just doing something with your carnal flesh. And your carnal mind. That's really all you're dealing with. You've got to grow up. No matter how bad your spouse is, you still got to grow up. Amen. So when things get tough, I want you to thank God in it. In everything, you give thanks. I didn't say for it. God didn't cause it. But you learn to count it joy in it. And you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity right now to walk in love, to be spiritual, and to grow up. Did y'all learn anything? Okay. I won't preach it again for another year. Well, I don't feel like I'm done, but I am. I'm out of time. I think this is one of the biggest problems with Christians in America. I think someone forgot to tell us God expects you to grow up. I really do. I really, really do. And I think that we fail to tell them what it's going to cost you to do it. Now, does it cost? Well, it, it pays. It pays to be mature. You know that. You know that. But there is a cost to obeying God. I've looked back and said, I'm glad I paid the cost. And you will too. But when you're faced with it, you'll, you'll be at a divide and go, whoa, whoa, do I want to do this and you're going to realize your flesh is going, don't do it, don't do it. And your spirit's going, yes, you want to do it. And there's going to be a little war going on inside of you. And as you continue to follow the spirit man, you're going to mature. You're going to grow up. The next time you think you're having a bad day, read Paul's life. Is this helpful? Yeah. Father God, I want to thank you for, you have given me one of the greatest opportunities in the world to preach the word. I've, te I've told things tonight about myself. I've said things that are not, they're not comfortable for America as a whole. We, this is not the subject that everybody buys the CDs and runs out. But it's necessary. Father, it's necessary because there has to be people in a church that do grow up. Because there's always going to be babies that are coming in. And there's got to be mature Christians ready to receive them. And they've got to. They, we, we have to. We have to grow up. We have to be obedient. We have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. No matter where you lead us. No matter what you do. And Father, if there's somebody here tonight that, that is just struggling with that. Like I was the day that I drove down that road. I want to ask you to give them grace right now and show them what a good, 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 good God you are and how you're not going to hurt them. Your will will never 
harm them because you're a good God. And our flesh is the one that thinks that we're going to, it's not a good thing, but it's the best thing in the world that ever happened is that we matured. And, and the relationship that happens between us and you as we go into adulthood is phenomenal. I pray that everybody in this room tonight will get to themselves to a place where they're willing to put their carnality aside, their childishness aside. Put it aside. Stop doing that. Stop living that way. And start walking in grace and love and patience with people and to be big and to, to grow. Papa God, thank you, and I just thank you as we go home tonight that your grace and favor would follow us, goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you, and have a blessed day.